Our sponsors for this season of the Great Library Games are Trip Steves and Sky Whale Airships. Please take a moment to listen to this special offer exclusively for fans of the games. Hello and congratulations. If you are listening to the sound of my voice, then do I have a deal for you. I'm Trip Steves, and you may remember me as the author of the critically acclaimed travel book series, Trip Steves Rixia. We have joined forces with Sky Whale Airship Cruise Lines to offer this special deal. If you act now and you book your next family getaway on the brand new airship, Gigantic, servicing all our premier routes, including the Pass of Oranti and the Malzag Mountains, for 25% off. Yes, you heard that correctly. If you book within the next 24 hours, you will enjoy chef-cooked meals, scenic ports of call, and guaranteed Sky Whale sightings, all from the comfort of your cabin on the largest ever state-of-the-art unsinkable airship. Act now before time runs out. Bookings are limited. Terms and conditions apply. Guaranteed Skywell sightings are not guaranteed in any way and should not be interpreted as a guarantee. The 25% off promotional deal includes a mandatory 25% fee before promotional deals are applied. Void where prohibited by law. And welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and gentle them to Who Wants to Be a Library Librarian Air? That's not there are dictionaries in this section. We can't Welcome back to the show, everyone! We are about to get started here in this incredible first episode ever. That's right, 60 years of pre-production in the making, all paying off. I am your host, Larry Steves. Welcoming you back as we are about to see all of our contestants enter the Brains or Brawn Obstacle Course. Brains or Brawn! Brains or Brawn! Brains or Brawn! Brains or Brawn! Before we jump in to our harrowing adventure ahead of us, why don't we check in with our mortals playing in today's games? That's right, our for the first time ever. We have mortals right here in the restricted section of the library. Let's jump over to those mortals right now, starting with... Hi, Larry. Good to be here. I'm Checkers, the Grung Druid, and these are my trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And a little fun fact about me, I once ate 147 fruit flies in one sitting. Ha <laughs> ha! Amazing! Next? Hi, Larry. My name's Valeska Carter. I'm a human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain. And my perfect date is April 25th. It's not too hot and not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Mysterious, <laughs> but true. Next up. Hello, Larry. My name is Self Asterlin, and I am, as you can see, a dragonborn monk. I enjoy playing uh, chess while sitting in the cold tub. I don't know how to respond to that. Let's go to our final contestant. 
Hi, Larry. It's me. I'm Blaskrin Bright. No, no, Cashgrin Brightmane, and I'm super excited to be here. Do I have any hobbies? No. Do I have any friends? No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Back to you, Larry. There is an uncomfortable silence on air, and it just cuts to Larry Steves, who is a human man who is currently a giant floating head above a dome in the center of a raucous arena. All of you have been teleported into this strange place as part of the next step of your restricted section adventure here in the library. And, uh, well, you gotta, you gotta do some stuff to get those precious, precious books. The four, no, the five of you, because Mango has officially entered as a contestant, are currently on a platform in the middle of this arena as kind of shadowy figures up in the stands cheer and scream. And the five of you are now running toward this huge dome in the middle of this arena. You can feel the platform thudding underneath your feet and you see in front of you a plain chrome doorway leading to blackness. You all run, you see kind of in your peripheral vision, you see other groups of contestants running along kind of similar piers as you all. And then all the energy of the crowd pushes you in through this doorway and smack in the blink of an eye. The doorway is gone. The arena is gone. Everything is gone. You are instead immediately humid. And instead, or maybe actually in addition to the raucous cries of the audience, you hear wildlife, you hear bug chirps, you hear monkey screams, you hear almost cartoonish tiger roars, because you all are in a jungle. Green everywhere, huge trees, can't see the ground, it's so covered with fallen logs with various grasses and leaves and whatnot, and it is a cacophony of plants and animals. In front of you, you see a sheer rock wall covered with slimy moss all over it. You can kind of make out as you look at it that there are two figures carved into the rock face, but they are kind of all obscured by the moss that has clearly grown here for who knows how long. However, you can see at the top of this cliff face is another horrifically out of place, bright, shiny chrome door. (laughs) What do you do? And by that, I mean roll for initiative. And we are doing this fully as initiative. It is not a skill challenge that we will be using skills here, but this is a way for everyone to get to use cool abilities to decide how to help each other up whatever obstacles they may encounter. Solve with an 18. Checkers with a 13. Taskrin with a 12. Leska with a (laughs) 6. So as everyone frantically looks at the part of their character sheet that they so rarely do, their various ability scores (laughs) and what they can do with them, 
I will remind both my players and our listening audience here that they've already learned the rules of what this game is. The rules, essentially, are get through it. Ideally, as quickly as possible, your total score will be the amount of rounds that you all spend getting through the various obstacles in this course. I would encourage you all to remember that this is not just a regular obstacle course. No, no, no. This is a library obstacle course. (laughs) And absolutely, you know, hey, a healthy body is very important to overall wellness, gets blood pumping up to the brain. However... All of the challenges here today, you have been told, are also solvable through intellect, knowledge, experience, and what have you. So it does not need to exclusively be fun physical skills, though, hey, if you decide to use those fun physical skills, by all means. Can I intimidate this wall into being less slippery, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Or or, uh, Trip? Larry? Larry. Larry. (laughs) Self. You were the first through the door, which makes sense. You are by far the fastest member of the party. And you see this large wall in front of you. You have your normal in-combat turn. Your bonus actions, actions, movement, all that good stuff. What would you like to do? I am would like to move to the base of this rock face. Absolutely. And just taking a quick look, does it look like there are actual handholds or is this moss almost making it like a sheer wall where I would have to like plunge my hand into the moss to find something to hold on to. It's pretty, it is not sheer in that it is is totally like flat or smooth, but there are no given handholds. It's probably climbable, but it's not kind of a, it's not a rock climbing wall. Since it is not a rock climbing wall, I am going to cast Mold Earth. Okay. And... I'll need a kind of an interpretation on this one from from our great and illustrious DM. One of the things that this says is you cause shapes, colors, or both to appear on the dirt or stone, spelling out words, creating images, or shaping patterns. Can I actually make them appear and raise? I'm totally fine. I think it makes total sense that it would be some amount of raised, I think. So the question is, how many? I would say you can put a rock climbing wall amount of shapes if that is your aim. So the area is a five-foot square within 30 feet. So for a five-foot square starting at about head height for Selv and then going up, I'm going to put handholds and footholds. And then I'm going to use my movement to climb up. And also I neglected to say about a 30-foot wall in front of you. So we'll say maybe Selv that you cast this about like 10 feet up into the air so people can kind of reach up. And and, and, and grab, yes. So when we came into this game show, it was very obvious that people didn't just want to see us complete the tasks. No, they wanted us to complete them with style. Absolutely. Audience support is a non-zero portion Mm -hmm. of this. So Checkers sees Selv go and just start trying to climb up the wall, making his little handholds. Pretty slow. And again, you guys are trying to get through this pretty quick. Right. And Checkers is like, no. No. If Checkers (laughs) is going to participate, he's going to win. Yes, and there is there is a win. There is one way for only checkers to win, and it's through Flash. <laughs> yes. So there are trees in this jungle, right? Yes. Presumably some of them are as tall as this 30-foot tall rock wall. Yeah, absolutely. So what I'm going to do is, as a bonus action, I'm going to activate Mango's Torrential Might ability. And you just hear the rumble of thunder and a flash of lightning as Mango goes from his medium size 
It's a big size. Oh. <laughs> Large size mango. Okay. The big and very good. Very the big, good. The big size with a little thundercloud over his head. <laughs> and Checkers hops on top of Mango and just goes, all right, Mango, let's show him how it's done. Checkers rubs his hands together, puts them down on top of Mango, and as an action, casts Enlarge Reduce. Oh, God. <laughs> increasing the size of Mango from large to huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the first we've seen so, of this. Yeah. I, I, no, it's, it was, this is what happened to the Well, lake. right, but, like, but, but we but haven't seen in, it. Like, oh. in, yeah, in action. Yeah. We As now not see a the recipe. <laughs> we have seen it. Ha- oh, my. Okay. So now, and it's for this. Now it's for this. I'm, okay, I'm, good. So I'm selves, like, on the wall, and then all of a sudden the shadow kind of, like, turns yeah. over him. <laughs> And everyone just sees this 15-foot-tall sphere of frog (laughs) rumbling around, moving closer to some of the trees nearby. And I'm going to command Mango to start pushing down some of these trees to kind of make this ramp from the ground to the rock wall to help others, I guess. (laughs) But also to give Checkers just the quick and easy run up to the chrome door. Yep, okay. So I will ask you, uh, off your turn, Uh to do the Pythagorean theorem to see how tall of a tree this needs to be. And I am, so here's what I'll ask. What would you like to roll as part of this? And it can just be a very easy check for, for Mango to knock a tree down. Or you can, I would say, you could roll maybe a nature or survival check to say, oh, there's the tree I want. What are you interested in? How would you like to solve this problem? So I'm going to say it's pretty easy to find a tree that is tall enough and sturdy enough. Absolutely. Mango's just going to use athletics to just shove that tree over. Yep, no problem. It'll be pretty easy. And I think he he has to have advantage, right? Like from from one of the many things making him large. Natural 20. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Just you hear a thundering (laughs) as it collapses onto the wall. And anything else the checkers would like to do and or say. See you guys at the top as checkers begins running up the tree. And look at these mortals go toppling over trees and toppling over any chance of an early round exit. So Kaskrin is not going to be able to climb this wall. I mean, (laughs) come on. (laughs) Not only did Selv put the handholds like a little bit too high up for Kaskrin to even jump and reach, but also like my climbing is not the best. <laughs> and so Kaskrin is going to immediately turn 90 degrees and start walking up the ramp behind Mango and Checkers. But he's looking around, you know, he's scoping out the territory like he does. And he spots two of these like kids in the crowd that are like cheering they're going wild they're having a great time being here at trip steve's the game and i'll say that the reason you can see is again you are surrounded by jungle Mm -hmm. but there's this little bit of sky that's kind of naturally there as part of this wall and as you look into the blue you can see faint outlines okay of audience members okay where it's like is that a cloud is that a oh oh that's like a person watching. Oh, okay, cool. All right, cool. And so Kaskrin's like looking up to the sky, trying, you know, seeing all these silhouettes of people, and he's going to try to get a chance started to try and really yes. <laughs> pump up the crowd. Awesome. Yes. So he's like walking behind Mango, just like, go, go, golden tree, go, <laughs> go, golden tree, and like clapping his hands, and he's trying to get like the audience pumped. Yes, awesome. I'm going to roll persuasion. I would love if you rolled me <laughs> persuasion. That is a 24. 
Hell yeah. You, uh, any skill checks anyone does for the rest of this have advantage. Yes. Sick. Valeska Carter, what did you like to do? You mentioned that there were two figures carved into this wall. Correct. Correct? Yes. Val will always take the time to figure out who those figures are and do mm-hmm. a history check Absolutely. to see what she can gleam from this carved inscription and see if that has any clues to aid her Absolutely. in the quest for the silver monkey, even though I know that's not where we're playing. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Natural 20! Hey. Wow. Wow. So that would make it a 25. Okay. Jeez. Mal approaches the carving in the wall and is moving moss aside, noting what type of moss it is as she does, and like actually kind of crumples some in her hand and sniffs it to get a better sense of <laughs> yep. what kind of moss it is. And then she focuses back on the stonework, sees the two figures, sees that they're giants, and have similar like appearances in the stonework. Different details are reminding her of different things. They look like brothers, giant brothers in a jungle. That's kind of specific and odd. And then... As she's getting all these details, she started to remember a legend of two giant brothers that were inseparable, but then started fighting. She can't remember over what specifically, but as their argument escalated and grew, their anger turned into the earth and the results of this argument was a giant earthquake that is said to have formed mountains. The only thing Val can think of for a game show that would work with these two brothers is that everything's about to shake and (laughs) everything's about to try to drag us down. So as she takes a step back and starts backpedaling very fast, running towards the ramp that Checkers and Mango have made, she starts shouting to her teammates, Everybody, hold on to something. I think an earthquake is about to happen. Go, go, go. Golden and tree. Go, go, golden <laughs> tree. Go, go, golden tree. No, Cascade, go. I would, I would like the entire go, go, golden tree to make a dexterity saving throw with advantage, and I'm knocking a few points off the DC because of uh, Val's quick deduction. Just as Val is kind of running up the log and screaming all of this at you guys, the chance of go, go, golden tree are filling your ears. The earth starts to rumble and the log that you guys are on starts to kind of shake and quiver and all the leaves start to make kind of this rustling. And you can see from the top just above you, rocks are starting to fall and even little bits of kind of earth are now kind of getting disjointed, you know, kind of like in movies where there's now suddenly like cracks in the ground and things are getting uneven. Did anyone roll lower than a 12? No. Surprising. Everyone is able to successfully brace themselves against all of this thanks to Val's quick thinking and and warning. Anything else? I'm guessing the history check was my action? No. Double move. (laughs) That should be more than enough for you to run to the top. Are you going through the portal? No. Val will stand at the doorway and, like, be 
kind of like sideways, perpendicular to the door to like grab people and kind of pull them through as they get up there. And she, I imagine a cell is actually still hanging on the wall. So she'll kind of like start to reach under the ramp that Mango and Checkers have made to like help pull them over. I don't, you know, Val's not going to help Cell really, but like <laughs> teamwork, baby. Yeah, it's the idea. Not yeah, absolutely. Fear. Absolutely. You're like, Cell, grab my hand. Cell's like 30 feet below you or something. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Top of the order, Selv, you are partway up the wall. You see everyone else is on this large, <laughs> uh, this large log. Ignore the obstacle entirely. Yeah. No, this, uh, no, this is perfectly interacting with the obstacle. Uh, Selv, what would you like to do? Realizing that, and remembering, especially after Checkers has gone, that part of this has to do with the flair of mm-hmm. being able to accomplish some of these things. I am going to, first of all, use a key point to activate Step of the Wind, which allows me to use the dash action as a bonus action and also will double my jump uh, range. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'm going to do then is actually jump down to the ground, take a few running steps and leap onto the ramp that uh, Checkers and Mango have created. Uh, as high up as I can go, grab onto it and swing my and roll myself onto the ramp. Cool. Nice. And then just run up it and get as close to the doorway with Val there as I can. For listeners at home, uh, so we don't have to cut it later, Steve did a very dramatic, fun clap when he, <laughs> when he said, I'm going to boom, boom, get out of there. Has anyone seen the Super Mar- or the Mario 64 speed run where like Mario just like goes ass backwards? Yes. Up yeah. Giant yeah. Thing? That's 100% what Steve was well, I, I was considering, uh, if I still have some movement left uh, after all that. You have um, an enormous amount of movement. Yeah, yeah, you did yeah. not uh, need to step I, with the wind. Uh, I actually... <laughs> get, get I, I'm going to because uh, this might make me move at half my speed if I do this, but I would like to moonwalk up (laughs) the ramp. If you would like to essentially trade one key point for one point of audience support, you can absolutely moonwalk and it'd be essentially a null, you know, null exchange. And I will, and then I'll do a little spin at the end and just pose and then, uh, look back at the others and encourage them to hurry up. <laughs> crowd, I'm running as fast as I can. The crowd goes insane. Is there anything else you would like to do? I think for right now, we are stopping at the portal just to make sure that nothing, if there's another super earthquake or anything, that everybody's still okay. Checkers does not stop at the doorway. Hell yes. Checkers double moves, sprints through these trees, and I'm imagining this is a pretty fully grown tree, so he's having to like dodge yes. branches on <laughs> the way up as he makes his way all the way to the top, and then at the very top of this tree where Selv and Val are at, he does like a double high five to both of them, and mm-hmm. then just sprint into the next room, and then quickly Mango, with his large bulky form, just jumps up, vanishes into the door. And we're off. Yeah, I'm, I'm, well, he he jumps up, he lands, a huge thud, cloud yeah. of dust. Yeah. Everyone uh, has to make a dexterity saving throw and fall <laughs> off. And the door, like, he goes up to the door and he waits for a moment. And there's just this weird pause. And then the door opens just, yeah. just barely. <laughs> like, he's 15 feet wide. And so this door opens, like, 10 to 12 feet wide. Yep. And he can kind of just, just, like, squeezes yeah, through. scooch yeah. through. Checkers, I would like for you and your trusty Frog Pal Mango to make an immediate dexterity saving throw. Checkers with a 19, Mango with an 11. Mango is too large. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So it'll be, no, so, it, so I think it will be totally fine. Okay. And I guess you guys are frogs, so this will make a little bit more sense that you are nonplussed by what is about to happen. Sure. Immediately, your ears tighten from altitude. 
Wind is blowing all around you, whipping absolutely everywhere. There is no sign of your previous environs. There is no sign of your party. The only other thing that you can see here, the only living thing, is a very, very large frog (laughs) that is following you. You are surrounded by whirring machines and pistons. All around you, faintly, mixed in now with the kind of ethereal cheering of the crowd that you can still hear, and with the wind whipping at your ears, you can hear hydraulic sounds that probably make no sense to checkers as to what they are. There are three walls to your back and to either sides, and you are standing on a floor. And in front of you are two vertical pillars that have propellers on them going vertical all the way up. So three, four sets of giant, huge 10 to 12 foot propellers that are propelling something. You're not really sure what all the hydraulics, that's pretty confusing and weird. And beyond them, other than the door, which is sitting kind of at the floor uh, that you are also on, the chrome door that you know is your goal, you see nothing but empty blue sky. So, Checkers is the first one in this room, and he sees in front of them the wide blue sky. And standing in front of him and continued success in these games are these two quickly spinning propellers that threaten to cut him to pieces. I'm going to try something dumb. Oh, yes. And and if it works, the audience is going to love this one. And if it doesn't, I'm going to get chopped in a little piece. (laughs) If it it doesn't, then the party will see uh, frog sushi when they come up through the door. Checkers is going to calmly walk towards the left pillar with all of these rotating blades. And as he does so, he's going to get very, very close to it. Are you just grabbing on? No. So <laughs> he just whips, he just yeah. whips him to the door? Yeah. yeah. No. Hope he lets go at the right time. Yeah. So Checkers is going to walk forward, both of his hands extended, and he's making two very rude gestures at these propellers. <laughs> And as the propellers touch his hands, he's going to activate an ability. Oh, God. (laughs) He's going to invoke the blessing of the trickster wind. As these propellers hit him, a large set of kites appear out of nowhere with these jingling bells Mm -hmm. in the air. And what this lets me do is when an attack hits me or someone else that I see within 30 feet, Mm -hmm. I can redirect that attack to another target. So I'm going to try and redirect this propeller strike on checkers over to the other pillar to okay. try and crash it and bring it down. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Hmm. And yeah. we'll be right back yes, to find can, out what happens. You can, absolutely, you can absolutely do this. I'm just trying to figure, is there an attack? Is there a roll of some sort necessary? I feel like, does the ability say you just like point and it actually goes over there and it hits does this person's it, AC? Does it require an attack roll? It to does become... require an attack roll, so that is important. I am fine with like mechanically you essentially choosing to fail yeah. to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah, like, right. I'm walking straight into this thing. Yeah, you, yeah. We do not need to. That's not the okay at all an issue. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> you cannot miss yeah. shoving your hand into a blender. <laughs> right. <laughs> what does it look like as these kites pull? one propeller either into the other or just enough into the other like kind of what's the mechanics again this is all working yeah but 
So basically, a dozen kites just kind of appear out of nowhere. And where the force of one propeller strikes one kite, that same force kind of comes out of another kite and just gets blasted right into the other pillar with the set of propellers, hopefully breaking it and stopping it from moving. Like, I'm imagining it's almost as it hits one kite and then, yeah, just like smacks the other going yeah. the opposite direction exactly. of the propeller. And with that, we will jump back to the rest of the group and resolve once they all go through the portal. Casker and Brightman, it is your turn. You are on the tree. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyir. Can the gang find Tyir, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike including folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek... Him? Kaskrin sees Checkers and Mango go through this chrome door into blackness, into nothingness. And he is just like running up the tree, having a great old time, just like, mm -hmm. hey, golden tree, we're doing a good job. As he gets up, he is going to high-five Valeska, he is going to high-five Selv, and then he's going to turn around in front of the door to the rest of the crowd and just go, mwah, mwah, and then walk to the back of the uh, the chrome door and just tumble backwards into darkness. <laughs> you immediately experience all the same things that I described okay. to Checkers, with some small additions. Okay. <laughs> there is... Even more wind. You obviously don't know what Checkers first experienced, but boy, there's like a like a lot of wind happening suddenly as you're looking around at this very strange, very alien, very loud experience. And since you walked backwards, you don't really see the propellers until you kind of take a moment. So what you notice before you look at the propellers are alarm sirens. <laughs> you can see the red lights going off above you near the doorway. 
And as you step through, you also hear more kind of mechanical sputtering. And from way off in the distance, you hear Larry Steve's voice just go, Uh-oh, looks like our mortals have encountered our next fantastic obstacle. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> As you turn around and look at Checkers. <laughs> As you look at Checkers' mangled body. <laughs> and, and Checkers is just standing there. So as Kaskin walks through the door, you just see Checkers like holding on to his hat as you just get this weird sense of vertigo as the room is starting to like shift and basically move downwards, it looks like. Okay. And Checkers just kind of looks at you and goes, you know, Cass, I think I broke something. Nothing really important, but... I think the room is falling. So <laughs> tell everyone else when they get here that they should move quickly because I'm going to go. Bye. And Cashman's going to reach his arm, like try to reach his arm back through the doorway he just passed through and like frantically wave people in as he's just like kind of like looking around at this room to what amounts to like a like airship that is sinking uh, to the ground. Yeah, like a hydraulic like mechanical room that is exploding. Unfortunately... As you're doing this, Kaskrin, you find an unfortunate mechanic of this game. You go to reach your hand through to be like, get through here, and your hand stops instead of going through the doorway. Once you are through, you cannot return. Okay. He is just going to, like, start booking it then. Like, he's using, like, whatever handrails yep. there is to keep him stable, and he's going to, like, duck through the left side where Checkers has made a path and, like, run to the other side of the room through the door. So you're on the other side as all of this is whipping around. Perfect. Val, will she wanted to add flair too? So I was thinking of like casting a fun cantrip, but I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> I only have mind yeah. yeah, I mind slurred. So, no, I, I can toll the dead on one of these. Yeah, yeah. I was like toll the dead of like bell sounds, like sacred flame, like pew pew. One to twelve damage to these trees. Yeah, yeah right. But I guess she'll save her flair for the next room, and she will <laughs> high-five self as she goes <laughs> and runs into the next room, ready for whatever happens. Uh, hell breaks loose. There are horrible machine sounds. There is uh, alarm bells. There is a essentially smoking now uh, what once was a propeller in front of you, but a, a clear path and a Kaskrin standing on the chrome doorway. Just uh, like near the chrome frantically doorway the waving side. you now that he can and he sees you. What happened? <laughs> Checkers broke something. Get over here. What is around Val specifically? Is there some type of like control mechanism she sees uh, on not, this side? Not visible. Okay. Val, hearing the alarms, like pressing in on her skull, just that awful piercing noise, doesn't want to linger here any longer than she really has to and will make her way across the catwalk to Cass and at that point start looking for a way to see if there's any controls for the propellers or anything like that. You're able to use the rest of your movement to essentially meet Kaskrin on the other side and you start kind of looking around just getting ready, getting your bearings. You see on the side of the ship, you see the word gigantic. <laughs> and as you're looking around for a control panel, just for something, just to kind of see if there's any additional things you can kind of do while you're here, the alarms start to quiet down from behind you, from the open sky that's swirling behind you. You can see 
Several small automatons, little constructs, whiz overhead. And all convene on the broken propeller and start initiating repairs on it. You hear just a lot of just like racket clanking and like rivet drilling (laughs) and all the uh, telltale signs of repairing. And you can see it actually start to spin up just a little bit. Anything else you'd like to do? If Val could find a control panel, she would like to try her hand at controlling an airship. So on the catwalk next to you, there is a little a little control panel. Like it is very small though. It's like a it's basically a knob, a button, maybe, you know, a slidey guy. <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of thing. You're probably not controlling the whole airship with the, a little slidey guy, but it might do something. Yeah, Val will gingerly test each button and knob. Maybe start with a knob to see if it turns down the propeller speed. Give me uh give me an intelligence check of some sort. Arcana is an intelligence stat. That's true. It's a magical airship. That's true. With Arcana, that's a 19. Okay. Uh, what would you like this effect to have? Val is hoping to slow the propeller speed down to make it easier for self to pass through the propellers when he Perfect. comes through the chrome door. No problem. As all the repairs were starting to happen, you could feel like, again, this dropping feeling that Jonathan described start to stabilize a little bit. These things are working pretty fast. And you're like, oh, okay, my stomach feeling better. And then Val just looks over, turns the knob, and then it starts slowing down and you start not quite as dramatically, but still start tumbling downward again. <laughs> <laughs> that is the end of the turn. Top of the order. Selv, you are the final person in that first room, still at the top of this rock face. Everyone else has gone through the chrome door. You don't know what lays in front of you. I'm sure nothing big. Sure, it's easy peasy, nothing to worry about. What would you like to do? I am going to go to the doorway, turn around and kind of face the the crowd and give a bow and then just step through the doorway. Go, go, golden tree. Go, go, golden tree. All right, you step through. There's no sirens anymore, but there is immediate vertigo. There's immediate high winds. There is the smell of smoke, maybe, somehow. You can maybe hear Kaskrin on the other side uh, yelling and waving at you over all of this din to hurry up and get over here. You also see Val having the time of her life playing with some <laughs> knobs, a little slider, some buttons. She's like, man, Checkers really missed out on here. Okay, I will take it in for just a second the game is getting angry and then I am going to move quickly down that little uh, walkway and try to diving roll through the just as self gets close you gotta crank the speed up (laughs) no down Val is going to completely stop the propellers and send us into a f- full plummet. Okay. To get Selv through. And she's, Val just yells to Selv, get ready and hold on. Okay. The plummeting feeling starts. It's not immediate and it's not a full free fall because it's, you get the sense that maybe this isn't the only propeller set or engine lifting you guys up. But as soon as Val yells out to you, the feeling of falling increases. As you see the propeller's grind to a halt 
and the little automatons and robots still kind of circling and trying to, to patch it and fix it, you have plenty of movement to get on the other side of this and meet the, well, two of the rest of your party members. What do you do? I'm going to move as quickly as I can down the, uh, the little pathway, and then I'm going to kind of hop onto a propeller, hop onto a propeller, and then hop back onto the... Parkour! The gangway, <laughs> yes. The, uh, uh, the gangway. No problem. Thanks to Val's uh, fucking around with the various <laughs> knobs and whatnot, you're able to get through the propellers totally unbothered and able to meet the rest of the group on the other side. Val is still just like, she sees self run past. It's like, cool, great. On to the next room. And she'll turn the dial back up, crank it back up to full speed to stop the plummeting. But then she's also just like, well, what do the other buttons do? And she's just like not making her way through the door yet because she's having too much fun. The control <laughs> panel is like figuring it out. So, Self, you have made it to the other side. You have joined your two compatriots. Are you waiting with them? Are you going to hopefully follow where Checkers has gone into the next room? I am going to turn and does it look like Cass and Val are going to be like immediately after me. They seem unimpeded other than Val is still very into, I think, the various shiny buttons and levers and whatnots. She has to know how it works, how it She so, must understand. So you can take that as you will. We can't leave Checkers by himself. And then I will... Look at what happened when we did that. <laughs> I will step through the doorway. Val resigns herself to not have an airship partially under her control anymore. Resets everything and will turn to Cass and say, all right, let's do this. And Val and Cass will both step through the door into the next room. Let's all re-roll for initiative. Val with 16. Cassgren with an 18. Checkers with a 14. Selv also 20 or 10. 14. Fine. We're all going to be two away. (laughs) (laughs) So... Val and Kaskrin, you guys step through the portal from this whipping, crazy energy of wind, of klaxon sounds, of all sorts of truly foreign nonsense. And immediately you are hit with a sea ocean smell, that salty, brackish smell. And you feel sun beating down on you. And the ground beneath your feet feels different, a little shifting. And you can hear cannon fire. (laughs) You see the entirety of the Golden Tree Guild. You are standing on what appears to be just a small island atoll kind of thing. Very, very small. You could, if there weren't so much trees and foliage, you could probably see the other side from here. But what's more taking everyone's attention is there seems to be a large oceanic ship that is marooned on this island. Like, it's got stuck into the sand. And, well, actually, what really is maybe taking most of your attention is the large... mm, Not large. Huge? mm, Colossal. I think maybe that's the word we want to be using. Tentacled creature that is doing battle 
with this ship and the occupants on it. Excuse me? You hear cries of battle, of pain. You can smell whatever the fantasy equivalent of gunpowder is on the air and the clashing of swords, the squelching of flesh. And, well, um, I guess the suction sound of tentacles. (laughs) As a huge alien throaty roar rips through everyone's ears. You have found yourself on an island in the middle of the ocean with a ship in front of you as a kraken is attempting to destroy the ship. And all of this is particularly relevant to you because at the top of the crow's nest, you see a shiny glint of chrome in the sun where you know a doorway must be. I thought you were going to put the door in the Kraken's mouth. I, <laughs> I considered it, but that's almost too easy because you're like, I guess I'll just I'll get in by, by the Kraken. I roll around in dead fish and uh, there you go. Yeah, go uh, Eat me, please. I know gonna, you want it too much. I'm going to call timeout. We're going to take a 30 second, <laughs> 30 second timeout when we assess the situation. So the ship is stuck in the island. Exactly. And it's, essentially, like they, it's like they ran aground to try to escape cool, the Kraken. Precisely. Uh, or something. They definitely ran aground and now there's a Kraken there and that's well, that's as much information as you as you got. Great, there's a crack in the ship. <laughs> All right, time to take a break. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. <laughs> What's everyone's first reaction to this site? Nice. <laughs> Sick. This is great. Val is honestly like, oh my God, there's a crack in. Wait, wait, wait. Are we on the Kraken side? Are we on the pirates? No, we can't default the pirates. We don't know their actions or morals. They could be <laughs> non-pirates. Sailors. Sail- that's where it's sailors. <laughs> there are two types of people that sail the ocean. Pirates and not pirates. Yeah. That's Val's internal monologue yep. happening right She's now. She's from the desert. She doesn't know about this. No. Yeah, Kaskrin is just like taking in the chaos, looking at like the fighting against this thing. And then he just like looks all the way up and it's like, is that the sun? No, it's the door that we need to get to. Yeah, and his like face is just like oh god there's that anime like ding sound when there's the little sparkle <laughs> that yeah. goes across it we've all re-rolled for initiative however Selv, you still had an action and a bonus action that I have not forgotten about from the last room what would you like to do and how would you like to react oh, boy. how far are we away from the beached ship you're probably about 20 feet away and we have all of these octopus-like tentacles that are battering the ship and the occupants, how far out to sea is the actual, like, can we see the head of this creature? No, because it is partially submerged, because this is a large ship. This is your classic Pirates of the Caribbean-ass-looking sailing ship, and these tentacles are having no problem reaching all the way across the ship, and you can see maybe where the head must be, but it's still submerged into the slightly deeper waters that are dropping off off of this island. Selv will just kind of turn to everybody and just be like, um, can any of you turn us invisible? <laughs> no. 
I suggest we forego style points and just get there. And I will point to the chrome arch. Is the ship beached horizontal to the tentacles or perpendicular to the tentacles? The tentacles are at the back of the ship. I'm not going to try and remember aft. The, Aft, yes. the the butt of the ship yeah, okay. is where the, so, the, the the all the tentacles are stretching kind of towards the front. The prow. I'm going to start moving towards the the front of the ship, the part that is the front butt. Yes, the front butt of the ship, and just trying to get an idea of how tall the ship is. Like, do we have to climb up the outside of yes. it? Yes, because this is a ocean faring boat. Even though it is a ground it's and a frigate. stuff. Yeah, it's probably, again, okay. another 15, 20 feet up. Thank you, Assassin's Creed ship <laughs> minigame that I've played a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start moving, and I am going to use my action to move a little bit further and then wait for the others to get to me, because I think we need to go as a group okay. on this particular one. Kaskrin is once again taking in this sight before him as we are trapped on an island with a grounded ship that is in pit combat with the Kraken. And he is going to run towards the side of this beach ship and he sees the pirates doing battle against this thing. Could be non-pirates. Could be non-pirates. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to assume. I didn't mean to I, assume. I love that everyone has just been like, well, this is pirates. Yeah, obviously yeah. pirates. Fine. The boat people. Yeah. And he's like, all right, first step, I got to get on that ship. Yep. So he's shouting to the crew, drop anchor, drop the anchor. And he's going to try and like get them to drop the anchor so he can climb up it onto the deck. Okay. Yeah. Give me a persuasion check. Is that, that that seems reasonable. And I want to be like, you know, reinforcements are coming. (laughs) (laughs) We're helping you. Okay. This is going to be a little difficult, but I am very on board with it. That is a 23. Okay. Ooh. You know what? Again, this ship is quite large. And I have no problem saying that it's maybe one of those kinds of ships that has multiple anchors. So, because if they just dropped, like, the back anchor, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, <laughs> uh, I guess we got to go swim to the Kraken and go get it. But there's kind of one that's a little bit more midship or maybe even towards the front that kind of help help slow it down. And you see just this, like, hapless 16-year-old who's, like, <laughs> dressed in his, like, Sailor boy finest, who looks down and is just what? Uh, okay, and just looks and then just there's a lever that he's standing next to and he just clunks it down and you can see just the chain unraveling just thud into the sand right in front of you. I would like to like run until I get to the bottom where the anchor has landed and that's probably all I can do. Val is still thinking over a lot in her internal monologue, but follows right behind Cass and starts running towards this ship and is trying to remember all of the things Cass told her uh, about naval history in studying for the restriction section and making his presentation. And Val is trying to determine if there is any type of on the front of the ship, there's always that, like, masthead the, to kind of identify yep. different ships. So she wants to, like, take a look at that, see if she can figure out, is this, like, a ship from history? Is this something that is of legend? Like, is this Rixian Blackbeard? Absolutely, yeah. Give me a history roll. 13. 
nothing immediately strikes you as as being familiar other than you are able to catch on the winds you hear a, a gruff loud commanding voice shout out fight lads fight the medicine we're bringing to those refugees has got to get through. <laughs> we have fight. to help the non-pirates. <laughs> fight, fight, blast you, or you'll walk the plank. And by that, I mean, we'll let you off at the next port if we uh, survive via plank. <laughs> uh, so Val continues her sprint forward and... Man, I was hoping there was like some cool ship thing. There would have been uh, if you'd rolled higher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is there is there a name painted on the ship? Almost certainly. The issue is the is the number of tentacles that are kind of covering. Wouldn't you know it? Exactly that part of the ship that maybe you could have noticed if you had rolled better. But you, you can see the front of it starts with B A L. Yeah. <laughs> In looking over Val's spell list, I have. A possibly cool, possibly dumb idea, and okay. I hope it works. Great, yeah. Val is going to bust out her first fourth level spell. Oh, and cast banishment on the kraken. <laughs> yes, sick, sick. What is an item distasteful to a kraken? <laughs> is that is that pertinent information? That is the spell component. Okay, okay. Can you use a character as a spell component? <laughs> well, so I was gonna say, I'm assuming that checkers is last in the initiative. But he's also gotten here a little bit earlier yep. than, the, than the rest of the party. <laughs> and Checkers is a true performer at heart. So he knows what the audience wants in this moment. And what the audience wants is giant monster fight. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, as you get closer to the boat, you just see a giant 15-foot frog rear up and just slam its feet on top of some of the tentacles and try to grapple it and stop it from moving as Mango goes to do battle against the Kraken. <laughs> I do battle! Is Mango now distasteful for the Kraken? <laughs> uh, well, I'll eat Mango, okay. and then we'll see how, how it feels. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course Mango is. He's the best boy. How yeah. could he not be? Yeah, so... Uh, you present Mango. Yeah. I'll present Mango. Got it, yep. As an item distasteful to the Kraken, <laughs> and I need the Kraken to make sure. a charisma saving throw, DC 15. So, <laughs> Krakens, always known for their high charisma. Uh, you guys all, um, if this was a true regular fight, I would just say, oh, legendary resistance doesn't matter. Val, as you go to, to cast this, you see, in addition to all of the sword clashing sounds and the sounds of cannons and all of that, you can now, now that you're really taking it in, you can now see that there are flashes of lightning and other kind of arcane spellcrafting going on above you on the ship, trying to do battle to this Kraken as well, um, which is both a detail and also why it's, oh, it used all of its legendary resistances already. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Got a roll? Charisma DC 15. <laughs> and Val, Val with the... You yeah, know, what, the audience like? flair, yeah. knowing that she has to make it dramatic, will, like, rush up and cast a light onto Mango real quick first, cinematically. Uh, I don't actually bonus action. I don't think I can do that. But, like, make Mango, like, glow and be this bright, like, I'm imagining, like, the cool Godzilla, like, blue lightning yeah, kind of stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and then just take a knee, like slide down into the sand and be like, Mango, go forth and vanquish this foul beast. <laughs> Banishment! Well, you're just going to have to do that every time now. I'm sorry. All right. First roll of the evening. Out in front of everyone. That's an 18. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what's its charisma? Does that have negative five? Plus five, in fact, actually. What? Really? Wow. Uh, and it is one of the few saving throws that it is not trained in. Huh. All the other ones are much higher than plus five. Wow. <laughs> it's wow. a CR 23 creature, so let's, you know. Fair. Okay. All right. That's fair. Dang. Well, butts. <laughs> You all see Val summon all of this incredible energy to the likes of which you have not seen her ever use before. And you see her surrounded in this holy light and almost speak this commandment to this monster where it is imbued with the power of the gods, a censure on this creature, banishing it from this plane Nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mango looks fucking cool. Though. Yeah, yeah. Mango's having a time of his life. Actually, one thing is going to happen. It's coming for me. Great. Um, cool, cool. You hear an enormous cracking sound. No pun intended. Don't say anything. <laughs> As you see part of the side of the ship that you guys are facing crumples in on itself. My anchor. And two... <laughs> The, the anchor, untouched. <laughs> and two tentacles are withdrawn from it. Each holds a just pile of debris. And you see them kind of rear back and almost backhand fling it at the two groups of people. One standing kind of still by the doorway, another standing a little bit closer. Hey, could everyone make me, wouldn't you know it, more dexterity saving throws? Oh, wow, yeah. wow. I am once again rolling really well tonight. <laughs> I got an 18, so 17 total. Wow. Selv with an unnatural 20. Ooh. Checkers with a 13, Mango with a 15. Okay. Val rolled a natural one. Oh, no! <laughs> in, in her moment of deep, deepest shame. Those who failed, Val, you take... 14 points Oof. of bludgeoning damage. The rest of you take half that. Okay, all right. So, evasion. Yep. <laughs> that, that counts, so zero damage. I'm just uh, asking, make sure there's just, no additional hey, rule. Hey, 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 Steve, could you just rub it in my face <laughs> a little bit more, please? I only get to run a crack in throwing stuff at my players so often. But, you know... My end of it is I only get to dodge stuff thrown by a Kraken at my character so often. So True. That's, you know. Anything else you'd like to do, Sophie? Show you my quick drawing of a squid. It's very good. And I like it a lot. I saw you doing it. Attempts for, I don't know. It's like a <laughs> Inspiration. Squid. I didn't have it knock you prone. I could have had it knock you prone. But I appreciate so that. already, I was being very nice. Thank you. Well, good luck, everyone. <laughs> As Checkers realizes the kaiju fight has turned against him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he and Mango are going to climb the rope all the way up to the crow's nest. You're not just going to retreat into the sea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Swim away. I, need to, I also need to ask uh -huh. a quick clarifier. Uh -huh. Was Checkers confident in Mango in his ability to 
really truly give a fight to this or is it like let's just see what happens or is it like he's gonna die <laughs> i think it was like when we got here there were only like two or three tentacles just like cracking everything apart and then like as soon as everyone else got in all the rest of the tentacles shot forward mm. and it was way too late to back out <laughs> yep got it got it but now now we see where things really are and uh so checkers and mango tactical retreat up to the top of the crow's nest towards the chrome door 15 foot tall mango he's good I just want to clarify that because I'm really enjoying that mental picture of 15 foot tall giant mango grabbing some tentacles and being like, no, and just like throwing them away <laughs> yeah. from himself. Oh, good, thanks. And then just like putting an arm up to like do a one arm pull up and then just like put his other frog fingers through Towards the door, the door. <laughs> and get like sucked into the next row. So, mm-hmm. Jonathan. Yes. The issue uh-huh. is that you, by your own foolish admission, uh-huh. have said that Mango is engaged it's true. with some of these tentacles. It's true. You're right. And, I mean, feels like there should be at least one attack of opportunity. Mm, yeah. If not multiple attacks of opportunity against the two of you. Perhaps eight attacks of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> how many? Quick, someone Google. How many How many tentacles? I think it is a they plot, can't, they can't plot all amount be, of tentacles. There's, there's those little pirate guys running around. So they've, no, they're know, non-pirates. They they're can non-pirates. Still, they can still be pirates while delivering medicine to their pirate children. <laughs> it depends if they stole that medicine. Right, exactly. Where did they Guess get the we'll have to go from? to the captain's quarters and check the logbooks. Yep, true. Yep, seems like you got time for that. Checkers, uh-huh. you are plap, plap, plapping, sprinting yep. your way to the crow's nest. You have no problem. You immediately start climbing up. And again, now that you are up on the ship, it is chaos. Uh-huh. Absolutely chaos. There is tentacles, huge, gargantuan, truly mechanically yeah. gargantuan tentacles snaking all around this ship. You hear cracking and creaking. You see everyone desperately fighting, not just for their lives, but for those poor children, those poor refugees who need all of this medicine for their lives as well. But you make it up as a tentacle just smashes down onto the deck right behind you. And you make it up there and you look down and you see Mango in the clutches of one of these tentacles and being squeezed all 15 spherical mm. feet of mango. Well, you can't just do that to me, Nathan. <laughs> I just did do, 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 do. I didn't do it to you. The Kraken and the dice rolls and your own choices yeah. have done it to you. Checkers, you realize mango has not followed you up. Mango is in dire straits. I don't know even from this point of view how many of your party members you can even see because many of them have kind of moved to the side of the boat. And it is just you up there in the crow's nest next to this doorway. And somehow, over all of the din, all of the roaring, the screaming, you hear the voice of Larry Steves. Oh, looks like one of our mortals has gotten caught in the tentacular horridness of the Kraken. What will happen? Let's find out after this commercial break. And we'll see you all next week. Goodbye!
Uh, also, heads up, we are around hour seven okay. right now. So going for seven hours? Yeah. <laughs> you, why did you not stop? This is the opposite <laughs> recording of what we were wanting for, to do. Right, yeah. I have stuff. I have to go <laughs> no. to bed. We're just what catching we, up. Was this yeah. for charity? What were yeah. we doing? <laughs> really I was mega testing episode. my yeah. temporal dimension. Really works, guys. <laughs> yeah. Nice job. Wow. Holy Crushed shit. It. <laughs> that took longer than I thought it was going to. Okay. Um, got some two rounds in seven hours. What's yeah. going on? Yeah. <laughs> we got to really talk about this, guys. This is getting a little silly. <laughs> Listeners, if you only knew, we recorded seven hours and you get one hour. One hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah We're not going to this, you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real bad. <laughs> this is when we talk about how hard it is to make a show. That's why. <laughs> this reminds me seven of a story. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back in my day. 